balance. That is the goal here at Boost Health. Welcome to episode number 18 of the show. I am Paul Sandberg, the founder of Boost Health and your host. I'm a certified strength and conditioning specialist with the NSCA. I have a bachelor's degree in human biology, a master's degree in business administration, and I've been working in the wellness and fitness industry for over 19 years. In each episode of the Boost Health podcast, we discuss a new topic and cover the entire spectrum of wellness concepts, including fitness training, inspiration, nutrition, biohacks, and wellness products. And we give you some actionable tips that you can implement in your personal health strategy. Each show is only about 20 minutes long, so you can get caught up on past episodes easily if you're a new listener. Now, my philosophy with this podcast and with Boost Health in general is to be open-minded and try new things. Preconceived notions shouldn't get in the way of wellness strategies that could be a real difference maker for us. Have you ever tried a new wellness tactic that surprised you and how well it worked? Those are what we are trying to uncover here. Thank you to everyone who's been telling a friend, family member, or colleague about the show that you think might enjoy it. It is much appreciated. Another way to support the show is by visiting the website at myboosthealth.com, clicking the Amazon banner at the bottom of the homepage, and then doing some shopping. When using the Amazon banner, you'll get to check some shopping off your to-do list, and Boost will get a kickback, so everybody wins. One last thing that would really help the show, please, please take a few minutes to subscribe to the show if you haven't already, rate the show five stars, and also leave a written review of the show in iTunes. You can actually do it right in the podcast app on your smartphone. Announcements. The first batch of Boost Health Performance Apparel is produced and is beginning action live in the real world. You may have seen some of the gear recently on Boost Health Instagram, Facebook, and Strava feeds, including the strength gear, cycling gear, multi-sport gear, and casual wear. Now, don't worry if you didn't get your order put in last time. We'll be opening the shop again sometime this summer. We're actually looking to open it at the beginning of August. I'll keep you updated on everything, of course, on the podcast and in the newsletter. And speaking of the newsletter, if you haven't signed up already for the weekly boost newsletter, you can do so by entering your name and email into the form on the homepage. This way you won't miss any of the boost health news. All right. Now on with the program. Episode 18 of the boost health podcast is titled reaching your full potential with Dr. Chris Zeno. I am excited for the show today because I have Dr. Chris Zeno joining me. Dr. Zeno has an absolute obsession for helping people realize what they're truly capable of, which I think is absolutely fantastic. And he and I thought having a chat on this show would be great because at Boost Health, we're always searching for new wellness tactics and encouraging folks to be open-minded and try new things. Now, in case you're not familiar with Dr. Zeno, I'll get you up to speed. He is a world-renowned speaker, author, entrepreneur, and hero. Now, we'll get into what that means in just a little bit. After winning Mr. America in 1998 and being a leader in the fitness industry, he found himself defying a deadly disease in his late 20s. Dr. Zeno leveraged his experience to establish one of the largest health and wellness clinics in the world, seeing thousands of patients per week. Yes, that's per week. Now, an international speaker, author, and mindset expert, Dr. Chris has shared his message of wholeness in mind and body over 4,400 times, shifting doctors and clients alike to continue to make the impact on millions. 
Now, this is really cool. The core premise of his work is that everybody is born with seeds of greatness and capable of heroic things if given the chance. I love that. He believes that each person has noble qualities inherent in them to drastically shift themselves and their work. And Dr. Chris seeks to unlock this in each man, woman, and child he reaches. Rather than let people silently grieve their potential, he exists to wake up the hero that we know is hidden in each of us. Oh, and by the way, Chris also won his age group at Mr. Universe in 2016, and he's a pro bodybuilder today. Needless to say, he's in incredible shape. But what I like most about Dr. Zeno is that he has figured out how to keep fit while managing a very successful business and also being a great husband and a father to his two boys. He sounds pretty balanced to me. Dr. Zeno, thank you very much for taking time to join us on the show today. Uh, thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me on. And thank you for everybody who's listening. We have a great time today. It's going to be powerful. Well, I have tons of questions I want to ask you, Dr. Zeno. So I'm just going to jump right in. First of all, how you got through this disease is just, it's just an amazing story. Now, I actually read that the terrible disease that you were able to rebound from was actually ulcer ulcerative colitis, which is pretty tough stuff. So what are the tactics that you use to sort of heal or recover from this? All right. So let's take a little bit of journey back just to give you a contrast to the story, because, you know, through my story, I want to be able to have some life really good life teaching lessons. So anybody listening does not have to go through what I went through. And I really think it's just not, it's just the model of health, but also the model, of just how we do things in life for success. So put yourself in a situation. I just won uh, the Mr. America in 1998. My entire identity was how I looked. It's how I felt. I was the trainer for some of the Orlando magic, Xena warrior princess and Hercules. They were filming in New Zealand and in universal studios. So this is like, you know, if you saw the movie 300, this was the first kind of shows where they had to have that gladiator physique. So I was a trainer for them. I was on the cover of magazines. I was writing for a bunch of internet websites because now the internet was starting to really start booming in 98. And uh, that was it. I was like, I, I could say, if I could just keep this going, this would be awesome. Uh, 26, uh, 26 years old now, I meet my wife, Whitney. Six months to her marriage, I just start going to the bathroom a lot. No big deal. It got worse and worse. I find myself going to the bathroom 10, 12, 15 times a day, bleeding every single time to go to the bathroom. Now I'm freaked out. I mean, up till 26, any, any little issue I had would just go away. That's what happens when you're in your 20s. This thing didn't. And when I went on Google and I typed in blood and stool, the first thing that pops up is cancer. My dad died of cancer. My grandfather died of cancer. So can you see how you're sitting there and all these things are going to your head? And I'm not telling my wife because I didn't want to alarm her. And I got, I got sicker and sicker and sicker. And then it got to the point where you couldn't hold your bowels anymore. So everywhere I would go, is there a bathroom? Is there a bathroom? And this one day in this department store, is a TJ Maxx here in the States. Uh, the bathrooms are under construction. And I was like, where the, where the bathroom's like, well, you got to go outside next door. There's another store. And I never made it. So this, this was the rock bottom moment of me. When I'm walking out of that store, couldn't hold my bowels anymore, and probably 40, 50 people around me, I lose my bowels in public. But now we're talking it's blood, it's mucus. I mean, devastated, depressed, embarrassed. But here's the thing. You're feeling embarrassed and shameful for these people that they've never seen someone do this. So they're seeing this. So they're, they're like shocked. They're in bed. You know, all this emotions are going. I run out of there to the loading dock, call my wife, we go to the hospital. And that day I was diagnosed uh, with an incurable terminal disease called ulcerative colitis. They put me on so many drugs, harsh drugs, prednisone, uh, another drug that 
um, gave me medically induced hepatitis. So basically, I took a drug that was so harmful on your liver, it gave me hepatitis. And then I was addicted to Xanax and Valium from the prednisone. And I went from 230 pounds all the way down to 158 pounds in four months. And my only option, I was a week away of getting my entire colon removed, have a hole coming out of the right side of my abdomen, wear a colostomy bag. They said it would break, it would leak, it would get infected. They said I have multiple surgeries. I would be on five to $6,000 worth of drugs for the rest of my life. I'd always be in sick medical debt. Um, my, my chances of infection were huge because I was, I was on organ rejection medications and they told me I was sterile. There was no way I would have kids. So a lot of times when we're given that one option and that's the only, there, there's no more hope. You know, that's the only option we're given. So many people that they just believe this is the only option I have. And so I went home to see my mom who lost two sons already. And just like a powerful mom, you know, she, she puts me on the prayer email list and Everybody's praying for me, but one person uh, sent an email saying, listen, uh, when Chris comes to the town, I, I need to see him. Uh, I think I know something that could help him. So I flew him to town, and here's my anatomy teacher from 10th grade or 12th grade. And I'm like, you know, what are you doing here? He's like, you got to go see my chiropractor. He's a corrective care chiropractor. will change your life. And, Paul, that was the stupidest thing I ever heard in my life because my, my – any – my all – rose-colored glasses or perceptions of what that profession was, was someone who stretched my hamstrings out or taped my ankle. Like, I, I had this terminal disease. I have an organ failure. My, or, my immune system's not working right. And so how's this massage going to help? And now this is good. Here's the learning lessons for everybody. In life, when you think there's only one option, or maybe you feel hopeless, or you feel like a victim, like I did, Always be super aware and keep your eyes open and ears open. There may be someone, something, a movie, a song, or something that may be said that changes your perception in that moment to change your life. And I said, listen, Dr. Bauman, thank you so much for just caring for me. You, know, you probably care for me. Thank you so much for offering some help. But I go, well, I tried it all. I've been to the best. I was in the best in the country, top four doctors in the, in, in the world for it. And then this is what he told me. He's like, um, well, you didn't try it all. Because if you tried it all, you would have had your health. I said, well, you know what I mean? Like he hit me between the eyes on that one. Because see, I have, be I have believed a story that I tried it all. And he realized, he made me realize, well, it's impossible because you would have had your health if you tried it all. So I went to see his doctor. And then so when it came to chiropractic, now let's get into how I got better. Um, it's, every, it's all the stuff everybody on this line knows. Right. He sent me down. He's like, your brain controls everything. Yeah, I know that. I got my degree in exercise physics. I got it. You know, the brain utilizes your nervous system, your spinal cord protected by your spine. Those nerve roots go to all organs. And that's we're wired. That's how life and every organ functions and heals. But if there's damage in your spine, which I felt fine, I didn't have back pain or neck pain. But he took pictures of my spine and my lower back was trashed. I had like this big 20 degree curvature on my lower spine, but I never had pain. But when it damages the spinal cord and nerves there, it irritates them. Just the messages and energy from the brain cannot get to those organs at optimal in their, in their optimal state of well-being. Therefore, they start to dis become dysfunctional over time. And then for me, my symptom that manifested well, like a fire alarm was ulcerative colitis. And I also had pressure on my brainstem, the base of your skull. And that brainstem there that controls all your autonomic nervous system, that's your heart beating, your lungs breathing, you digesting food and not thinking about it. So two major, two major blind spots. That's another thing in life. 
sometimes when we're frustrated, there may be a blind spot that we're unaware of, and it takes somebody outside of us from a different perspective to be able to see that blind spot. So there were my blind spots, Paul. I saw the blind spot. I saw the cause of the problem, but then it was still what? It, it still came down to me choosing and making a choice. So he had told me, I, I just wanted to be better. I'm like, hey, listen, great. Everybody, is everybody at this point told me false hope the whole time, right? Do this drug, you'll be better. Do that drug, you'll be better. All this stuff, you'll be better. You'll be like, like disappointment, disappointment. So I'm like, what makes you different? And here's the deal. When, when am I going to get better? I just need to know. And he goes, listen, he goes, as long as you have that interference in your spinal nervous system, crushing and destroying and removing, you know, uh, function to those organs, your body's not in the natural state of well-being to be able to heal itself. But look at this, how he put, what I appreciate about this doctor, he put all responsibility on me by saying, when you pointing to me, take care of your problem that you have, that's affecting your life and your future then your body will be, in, be able to be in a state to heal and operate and get well. But until then, there's no way you're going to be able to heal. So when you remove the interference and you remove the, you know, you, you get your body to heal and function operate, then your body will heal. But then I love this. He said, the day and the hour, you're asking me? He's like, that's not up to me. That's between you and your body. But you will get better if you don't quit on yourself, no matter how long it takes. And I, and I took his word for it, man. I, you see, isn't that tough love? Like you would think like that's, that's crappy bedside matter. But let me tell you, that wasn't crappy bedside matter. There was a guy who told me the truth. He told me the truth that, that exactly how it's going to be, what the real reality of that truth was. He didn't sugarcoat anything. He didn't give me false lies like everybody else did. And when he said it, I felt such a resonance of truth and honesty that I chose that as scared as I was, I took out that credit card. I, I, I paid money that I did not have in my bank account. I invested in myself and I dedicated to make that direction to correct that problem. That is an amazing story. And so, and it's so rare in the healthcare system today, at least in the U S I mean, just to get, you know, to get the person that the patient themselves to actually engage in their own health versus going and, and taking a medicine or just saying exercise more and, and eat better <laughs> to actually get a strategy. And, and that's inclusive of the individual taking charge of their health as that's amazing. Amazing is, is exactly what you needed to hear. Yeah. Because it, it took me from a victim, like as strong as I am and like everybody listening to this right now, I want you to understand like people like, well, well, did you have, tell me how your mindset was. You know what? I was scared as hell. I was scared. I was hopeless. I was a victim. There was no sign of public. There was, there was no iota of this strong person that people tend to see today. I want to make that very, very clear because I don't want anybody to use that as an excuse saying, well, we got through that because look, he's got some like genetic um, disposition of optimism. Absolutely not. I was scared. I was in fear. I was a victim. I was, I just didn't know what type of life I would have. But what I was is I was able to just see the next step in front of me and said, man, you know, he's right. And it is. It, and when almost it was like, he made me feel like no one's coming to save me. 
but me. How cool is that? Like, it's, it's something when I realize that no one's coming to save me. I can't rely on the system. I can't rely on other people. I can't rely on I, I have to take personal responsibility and choice because we're so afraid to make the wrong decision, right? So we get what we never make a decision or we're afraid. So I had to take that responsibility to listen. And, uh, and then having my wife there was great because even though I was scared, she talked more sense than to me. She's like, listen, you're on organ rejection medications and immunosuppressants. If they do surgery on you, take it in your colon, you're going to be in ICU for months because of infection, because your immune system is done. She's like, we always wanted a family. Going the surgical route, we have no chance of a family. We're already $250,000 in debt, plus all this other money we have to send for drugs. Well, you'll never, we'll never get out of, out of the, the stress of medical debt. Who knows if you'll even have a normal job? They even said there's a chance you wouldn't make it. And she's like, and I want you here as long as possible. So what do we got to do? See, sometimes having that strong person next to you, you might have to rely on their strength to just get you that extra step, which was, which was pinnacle. And seven months go by, seven months. And what's tough is when, you're, when you choose to take care of your problem and you're, you're doing the things to get well, every day I saw blood in the toilet. So you're, you're seeing the manifestation of what you don't want but yet you're taking care of the problem, knowing that it just takes time. And, you know, three months later, I'm on half the drugs. And five months later, I'm off all the drugs, but I'm still bleeding a little bit. But I have momentum now. I see it, right? You see, okay, we're, we're better. We're getting there. And at seven months, my body was totally healed itself of an uh, incurable terminal disease called ulcerative colitis. And that was about 15 and a half years ago. And that, Paul, that moment, that, that, that uh, unknown in my life, that experience in my life, um, it took me years, but now I'm able to see it as the greatest teacher and the great, one of the greatest experiences I ever had in my life. So, so seven months, you said, from basically the first time you visited the chiropractor until you were fully recovered. Were you getting some corrective procedures when you would go into the office? Yes, it was called corrective care chiropractic. So what they did is they took a picture of my spine. So you were able to see it. What I loved about it was very objective. So I saw my spine. And if your spine has to be straight up and down from front to back, which would be zero degrees straight up and down, I had a 20 degree curvature on my lower spine going to left. And then I had pressure like this first bone called the atlas of your spine. It's right underneath your skull. has to be at 31 degrees angled up. And mine was 15, so 50% pressure right on the brainstem. So I had numbers to look at, right? I was able to see it with my own eyes, and we had a goal. And then through corrective adjustments and specific spinal rehab, like braces correcting teeth, that's the best way and analogy to put it, like braces correcting teeth, we're able, we were able to correct the spine itself, removing pressure off the spinal cord nerves, allowing life and energy from that brain to be restored to those organs. And once restored, then those cells and tissues getting the right information could start actually functioning and healing. Wow. That, that, that is an amazing story. And that, that certainly speaks a lot to, you know, going to the right person at the right time and, and getting the corrective procedures that, that you needed at that moment. That's just amazing. So, so I'm curious I mean, I would have been inspired, <laughs> obviously being in that situation. I'm sure you were too. Was was this battle that you had and this victory that you had over ulcerative colitis, what inspired you to become a doctor of chiropractic medicine? One million percent, Paul. It's just, that's why, Paul, for you, just like you're, you know, how you got out uh, to, to where you are now and everybody listening on the line, it's like, 
I think it's really good that you plan your life and have an idea. And I also think it's really okay that you have no freaking clue what you're going to do with your life. Because the thing is, you could plan all you want, but it's the unknowns. The unknowns in life carry the nutrients. They carry the next step. They carry the genius. They carry the new desires, the new relationships, the new opportunities. Like the unknowns is where the miracles in life happen. And so this, this unknown of this experience with my health was a total unknown. I mean, I, I hardly even heard the word chiropractic, right? Totally unknown, but it took me to this journey. Number one, it did one thing because number one, it stripped me of my identity, right? Because I was this muscular, you know, just think Mr. America, totally stripped, lost like 60 pounds, right? So everything I, I, I based my identity, I was stripped. And then when you lose your health, remember when you lose your health, if you lose something, if you go through a tough time in your life, it makes you realize what you don't want. Okay, here's the contrast. You realize what you realize what you don't want, but even more importantly, it makes you really focus and crystallize what you do want. And I realized in that moment, because of my health experience, I appreciated health or just going to the bathroom normally than pretty much anybody else. So see, during a crisis or an experience like that, it really clarifies your direction of what you truly want in life or your purpose. So when I had a great experience like that, as far as going through that, then I said, I'm going back to school for this. And I went back to school. I got my doctorate. And in 2005, we started our office. And uh, over the last, you know, you know, we just, it took off and it totally exploded. Seen literally 28 times the amount of people that a, that a regular average office sees. And there was a lot of, uh, there was a, there's, just, there's a lot of what I call the hero secret sauce that I could really teach anybody. Very, very specific qualities and characteristics that I utilized to grow my practice that anybody, you could use this to grow your podcast, anything. It was just, it was getting down to understanding your voice. You know, Chris Zaino, who am I? What have I went through? The experiences of my life make me unique and different. And I could use my life, my, my ups, my downs, my bleeding when I went to the bathroom, my losing my bowels in public. Like if I could just share the ups and downs of my entire life in a contextual story and, and communicative video or speaking or, 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 or a conversation, then like you said, I could help inspire others to give themselves permission or hope to be able to go and do the same thing in their life as well. Yeah. You know, we actually have uh, a similar type of inspiration. Um, although it didn't happen to myself, I lost my dad when he was only 51 to pancreatic cancer, which is sort of known as the silent killer. Uh, it, it sneaks up on you. And, and a lot of times when you know you have it, it's, it's, it's too late. And he, um, he was pretty much the picture of health. You know, he, he's my original mentor in fitness, uh, you know, exercised regularly, uh, did not smoke, didn't really drink that much, pretty much anything you would ask out of uh, a, a guy in his low fifties. Um, and all of a sudden he just started having all kinds of stomach pain and couldn't figure it out. Couldn't figure it out. Went to lots of different doctors and they eventually found the, the cancer. Um, and we lost him just a few months later. It was really, really <clears throat> difficult for me. It's still difficult to even talk about today. And, uh, and you know, there was a lot of different paths that I could have gone down, <laughs> which I've thought about a lot, but where I ended up going was, I call it the caveman path, which is basically 
you know, we don't know enough about pancreatic cancer to really assume anything, but if it's genetic, um, you know, there's not a whole lot I can do about that, but I'm going to do everything I can if it's, if it's nature induced to prevent it. So what I mean by caveman is like no chemicals. Like if it's going to go on my skin, you know, your skin is a mouth. So if I, if I wouldn't put it in my mouth, I'm not going to put it on my skin. So look at the shampoo bottles, look at soaps, look at shaving creams, look at deodorant, look at everything. My diet changed. I switched to a, a plant-based diet, you know, and so I just, it completely changed my life. I was already a personal trainer. I already worked in wellness and fitness and felt like I took pretty good care of myself, but I completely changed everything um, from, from a nutritional perspective, especially, and from a product perspective. But, and I started making amazing progress and feeling great, but it wasn't enough. It's similar to your story. I wanted to share what I was learning um, and, and that's sort of the genesis of, of this company with Boost is, is, you know, not holding information, sharing ideas, getting ideas like people like yourself and, and sharing them with everybody and just, you know, allowing people to take what information works for them and sort of, you know, kind of talk about taking 1% from everybody, take a little tip from somebody over here and take a tip from somebody over there and apply it to your, to your own wellness and fitness and, and, and make something that works for you. So I really appreciate the fact that, you know, you, you made this amazing recovery and you didn't hold on to that, that information. And, and it's a really good tell on, you know, chiropractors as more of a holistic type of medicine than people may appreciate. It's, it's pretty amazing the, the type of uh, service that you received and then were able to provide it to a huge number of people. In fact, you said you know, you grew your chiropractic office to one of the biggest in the world. And I, you know, I see all this great stuff that you're doing with your, with your websites and your, and your hero courses. So my question is, are you still doing any chiropractic work? Are you still seeing patients? Or are you just focused on your, your speaking engagements and, and courses now? Great question. I love Paul. So that was kind of uh, another transition, right? We're talking about like, you know, we talked about transitions. So I'll probably... I'd say maybe two years ago. So I, I, two years ago, or even at 35 years old, I'm 41 now. So even at 35 years old, I found myself amazing practice, wonderful people, miracle testimonies, um, taking care of my wife, right? Beautiful, two healthy, beautiful kids. Uh, we built our house. I got a Lamborghini in the garage. Like just, I checked it all off. I mean, we really was like financial freedom, debt, no, no debt whatsoever. Um, all the time. It was just, I checked it all off because, you know, th there was one thing I, I really thought life was about checking off boxes at that time. And I checked off all the boxes. And again, just like it was when I was one Mr. America and training athletes and movie stars, I was like, if I could just, if I could just stay here, I'm good. And it's funny, like every time I say, if I could just stay here, I'm good. Then something, you know, just this whole uh, experience starts to happen because and when we get into the story, we, as human beings, we came into this world not to check off boxes, not to retire. We came here to always expand and to desire more. That's, that's who we are. Like, so when you want to climb a mountain, you climb the mountain. And when you hit that top of the mountain, you have a different perspective and you're going to see things and desire more and want to do more and expand more. So, you know, you're never, you're never going to check off all the boxes. So that was almost a false premise I lived by. And because I thought it was about checking off the boxes, I check them all off. Things are great. And then I start feeling depressed, feeling numb, feeling disengaged, 
Maybe it's a midlife crisis. Maybe I lost my purpose, right? All these things. I just felt like this, this, uh, there was a beast in the cage or unfinished business. Like, I, I mean, I can't even tell you the words because it was a feeling that I know was just unsettling. And I don't know what it was. I kept on getting disengaged. And then I realized that, you know, one day my son figured it out. Like he saw him and he goes to his mom. He's like, Hey mom, what happened to dad? And, but he said it in a way, Paul, that he's like, that is not my, that's not the dad that I knew the dad that, you know, wanted to save the world and help people's lives. He saw like something was dying inside me or something was off. And then I really kind of secluded myself and really was asking, auditing my life, auditing my truth, meaning that, you know, I wasn't going to BS myself. I wasn't going to allow myself to say the, the right success one-on-one answer to who I am and what my purpose was. I had to get real raw and saying, listen, what is the deal? And I was like, well, I want to help people. And I was like, yeah, you know, my heart didn't open up to that. Or I want to see people reach their potential. Yeah. Okay. And then it just got to the point where I'm like, you know what? I just want to be admired for achieving great things and doing something amazing in this world that no one's else seen before. You know, that's what I want to be known for. That's what I want. And I felt my heart open up. Like I was actually truthful for myself. And I looked on Google on those terms, admired, contribution, you know, um, achievement. And I saw the definition of hero pop up. It's like, wow, hero. And I read it to be admired or idealized for courage, contribution, amazing achievement and nobility. And everything about that, like my heart jumped. I was like, wow, I go. And in that moment, Paul, it was like, it was like, a, you know, a, that, that moment of my life, the shift where I was, I was actually awakened and remembered that that was the theme my entire life. It was like, I woke up to the, to, you know, I was the kid in the superhero pajamas and I, I worked out to look like a superhero. I beat a terminal disease to then later on become a doctor to go save lives. And I was like, I think, I, I think we all have that inside of us. And, but for me in that moment, I saw in the definition, I had the achievement, right. And I had the contribution, but I saw my blind spot again. I didn't have the courage, Paul, to allow myself. The key word is to allow myself to become the person I was always truly created to be. I, I the courage to allow myself to expand and evolve from the peak of one mountain to go journey on and do something much greater and bigger. Because I realized I had taken a, a secret identity, you know, I, I, which is a less than watered down va- version of your truth. You know, I found my identity in what I did as a doctor. So the doctor now became my identity. See how we, we, we latch onto identities. And so for me to do this, you know, for me to expand beyond myself, to go beyond the health and fitness world, to make a difference in the world and take a message that I wanted to take to the world, it meant me leaving the comfort and torment of my doctor role, right? So for, so for me to leave that role meant me losing my identity or leaving my identity. And the truth was, I just was scared. I, I, I just, I, I shrunk and I mourned from leaving that. And I stayed in the comfort and torment of that. And so all these feelings I was having, I nailed it. I knew exactly what it was. And if you're listening right now, when I say these words, when I about to explain what that feeling was, if you understand what I'm talking about, it's going to hit you so deep in the heart. You're going to know that I just spoke to a conversation that you, just like myself, didn't want to have with anybody else. So all those feelings that were having, Paul, I wasn't depressed. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't uh, numb. I wasn't disengaged. I wasn't going through a midlife crisis. I was grieving my potential the entire time. And that's when I decided to let go of my secret identity 
move, jump into the unknown. I, I started the I Am Hero project and I took this to the world through speaking through videos and the results through my Hero Rises uh, four-step methodology and thousands of people have been absolutely amazing. And I, I feel so happy, so energetic. I, I could express and experience love in the moment. I'm not waiting for some conditional thing to happen for me to be happy. It's like the happiness that I have achieved by letting go of something that was secure and safe to journeying on to something that brings so much joy and happiness. If anybody's listening to this and you've been feeling that, to be able to move forward and knowing that you're never going to get it wrong because the contrast will lead you in the right direction. And that's where I am today. You know, you all really need to go out and, and check out Dr. Zeno's stuff. It's so inspirational. And, and I'm glad that you covered that message on living in the comfort and torment of your secret identity. That's actually one of the things that I wrote down um, as a message that just hit, like you said, it just sort of hits you like a ton of bricks. It, it, it really hit home with me um, because I think I was sort of living in that sort of secret identity for a long time. And, and, and I was, I wasn't spreading the message that I needed to spread. And it's so introspective, isn't it? I mean, you really, really have to think deeply about, about what that means and, and whether or not you're actually doing that. And to help people, is there anything that you can help people with Dr. Zana to help sort of open that channel to, to see if they're living in a secret identity or, or, or to answer the question of what to do next if, if they know they are? hundred percent, hundred percent. It's, it's first, it's like I said, it's a self audit. It's, it's truly understanding. Number one, the secret identity is this. It, it's just been, it, it's something that we did to conform and fit in. It might've been through teachers or preachers or dogmas or society. You know, the, the, all the characteristics that we had when we were kids, playful, imaginative, we questioned limitations. We were obsessive. We were loving, we were forgiving and we play, you know, just imagination. We always asked why and we were silly we always were looking to experience our own truth that was that was quenched that was suppressed to be controlled to become institutionalized and then we started living our life according to other people's values my mom wants me to do this my dad wants me to do this or this is what all the kids are wearing i got to start dressing like this right so we started living by other people's values and what starts to happen Maybe in your 20s or 30s, you look in the mirror and you don't even know who you are anymore. You're really a result of everybody else's opinion of what, you, what they thought your life should have been like or what you were trying to do to please other people. So what that starts to result in, it results in this, your hero guidance system goes off. And the hero guidance system is your emotions that you feel. You start to feel heavy, depressed, lethargic. You, you don't know what, you know, you ask yourself, is this it in life? You just feeling like you're there's something slowly dying inside you. All those all those emotions I said, like the the fatigue, unmotivated, and what that is is that's the grieving of the potential. But when you find the thing that you really love doing, or what I call your superpower, like you right now, Paul, we're saying we're, we're having a conversation. I'm sweating. I'm alive. I have more energy than I ever had before. I feel the ultimate version and expression of love and experience of love in the, in this interview right now. And it's like you find those things that totally put you in that what they call the state of flow. That's flow. Flow is the authentic, true version of you. And then it's 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 a sign saying, or, or when you feel heavy, for me, even my practice, why was I feeling that way in my practice? You know why? Because it was my heroic guidance system saying, 
you're on the wrong road, man. But I, I, I was on this road forever. I get it. But now it's time to do a new road. But I'm scared. That's, that's cool. But now it's time to evolve. It's time to expand. It's time to chase happiness again and chase the thing that gives you life and makes you forget to eat and makes you not need sleep and makes you sweat and makes you have more energy that, that you don't need sleep. You just need to start walking in your lane. And this is, these are all the signs that you are in that secret identity. Cause the thing is like, it's not your relationship. It's not circumstances, it's not people. See, we want to blame the boss. No, no, no. You're not happy at your job because it's not your lane. You might've been once, but it's not anymore because it's time to evolve, time to move on. And it's about being aware of that. So first it's about becoming self-aware and then it's knowing, okay, you know what you don't want. Now, what is it that you do want? And start focusing on what you do want and start, for some of you, it's inching forward. For some of you, you like to jump forward. It all depends on your situation, but now you get to almost have a relationship with who you are. You actually, you revisit, you're reintroduced to yourself, the true you. And then at the other end, you get to see who you really are. And then you start pursuing that. And it's almost like you, you almost have to go down those pursuits or paths that are, are your secret identity to find out <laughs> that it's not the right path. You know, and that's one of the things that I think you cover really well that hit home with me in your courses. There's, there's one course that you have that actually, I think it's a brilliant name. It's called the hero secret sauce. And you've got five key ingredients to, to make your secret sauce, which is, which is really cool. Um, and the one that really hammered home to me was your ingredient called speed of implementation. And it was especially interesting because I, I, I can really relate because when I've implemented with speed in the past with whatever it is, um, it's usually led to success. And when I waver and don't take action right away, I, I tend not to do as well. And a great example is with, with this boost health business, I, I was focusing on finishing my MBA, um, here in Hong Kong, we moved to Hong Kong for my wife's job. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to finish my MBA. Um, and it really felt weird. It felt really strange to me. Um, not working. I've been working you know, since I was 16 years old. Um, and, and so it felt, I felt unfulfilled. Um, so I knew as soon as I finished my MBA, I needed to do something. And, uh, so, you know, when I was with my friends, you know, they'd ask me, you know, what was I going to do next? As soon as I finished my MBA, what's next? And I would really just answer with, well, I'll kind of see what's out there, what jobs are out there in healthcare and wellness when I finished up. And one day when I was asked, I told my buddies that I actually want to start my own wellness and fitness business. It was, now, this was something I had dreamed about in my own mind for many, many years, but I never said it out loud. <laughs> and it just sort of, it just sort of burst out. And then for some reason, I don't really know why I just began saying it every time I was asked and I would say, you know, I feel like I have this voice inside of me that needs to be heard. And, you know, there's really only one way to find out. And this was so not really like me. You know, I never really just, unless I had this like huge map of, okay, I know this is exactly how it's going to work. And I've got everything detailed and spreadsheets and everything. Um, and a backup plan. I would never just say, you know what? I think I'm going to go do that. And, you know, saying it over and over again to my friends started to make it real. And it was so real. In fact, the same week that I was turning in my final papers for my MBA, I was also submitting my paperwork to start this company. And so I think you would say, Dr. Zeno, that that version of me is probably more like a hero uh, with this drive and this initiative and, you know, not waiting to find out if it's the perfect plan. 
And that side of me, like I said, it doesn't always emerge. This The speed of implementation ingredient that you so wisely named it is something I can sense with with you though a lot, Dr. Zeno. It's, it's almost like an aura. Um, you know, I, when we first started talking about doing this podcast, um, you know, we're here in Hong Kong and I was like, all right, let me just get back to the US in July and, you know, we'll be closer to the same time zone and we'll figure it out. And you're like, no, no, let's just, you know, we'll do it. I'm early and you're late or you're early. I'm late, but let's just, let's just make it happen. And you remind me of a football coach I used to have that just said, get after it. You know, I, I just, I want more of that speed of implementation because I can see that maybe it's not always going to lead to a perfect implementation, but when you do it, a lot of times you, you get good success. So sorry for this big lead into the question, but I guess my question is how do we tap into that zone or speed of imp- implementation ingredient all the time whenever we, we see an opportunity like I, like I sort of sense that you do? Well, I learned it just like you from contrast. You know, in fact, it's so funny that you say that and you pick that one thing. If you asked any of my close friends, they would always say that my number one, uh, they said my number one trait is speed of implementation. Like, it's funny that that's the one you brought up. And, I, and I'll follow up with this. I learned that from contrast because that definitely wasn't me. Because I used to say I was a perfectionist, meaning that a perfectionist, basically, I would hide behind excuses not to move forward because everything had to be perfect. So instead of saying I'm procrastinating, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to you know, admit to that. And I just kind of was in denial about that. So I said, no, I'm a perfectionist. When really, I just allowed that excuse to prevent me from moving forward. So I changed it over to becoming a potentialist. And a potentialist is someone who just, I do the best I can with what I got in the moment I got it. That's all I could ask of myself. And for speed of implementation, I know the feeling of being inspired and thinking about it too long. And that inspiration goes away. And I lose the, I have lost the opportunity. Uh, my The idea went cold. That could have been an amazing idea and opportunity. I, I have I have gotten an idea and I told people and uh, I people would either give me reality checks by saying, no, you don't want to do that. Right. So I listened to other people. So basically, like the longer I waited, the 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 uh, elation, the inspiration would die off. And I call it the low die monster. It's called the law of diminishing intent. It's a low die monster. It takes your dreams and inspirations because remember, Everybody on the sign, you must think something. You think you have, you don't think highly enough of yourselves and the power of who you are and what is inside you. Remember this when you are inspired, when you get an idea, that idea actually came from within you and it was for you, not anybody else. It wasn't just some kind of cool idea that some neurons fight in your brain. You literally were given a download or a present or gift to utilize it. But now when we share with everybody else, we're throwing our pearls to the swine We're, you know, we're, we're, we're making time go by to just say, yeah, you know, we, then we figure out all the reasons why we shouldn't do it. And I have, I have felt the pain and the, I have felt the pain of regret of opportunities I missed out on. So because that used to be my nature, Paul, when I'm given an opportunity, like if someone says, here's my calendar link, pick, uh, pick from these days, I always pick the first day and the first time. I always, if I get an idea, I go because I know every second that I waste that opportunity in my mind and my inspiration will dry up and go away. So I jump at it. So I shoot and I allow myself forgiveness and grace to course correct, knowing that I'll never get it wrong. If you're listening to this right now, 
I want you to understand when you do make a move, what if I told you you could never get it wrong? Then you would go for it. And you're like, no, but I actually could do something that could turn out bad. But I'm telling you, you'll never get it wrong because if I did shoot and it, I kind of ran into a wall or I didn't work out the way I wanted to, I learned a lesson. I got tuition. I learned contrast. I got more clarity of what I didn't like. I got more clarity of what I really desire and want. So you never, you never could get it wrong. You never lose. There's no only way you lose is when you give up. Like you don't fail because you tried something and fell or got punched in the face, so to speak, metaphorically. No, you learn something and then you course correct it. And that's how greatness is formed. So Paul, my whole entire thing that I'm actually known for today is due to one thing, because I know who I used to be and I knew the feeling of that regret and I knew the opportunities that I may have missed out on because I claimed I was a perfectionist just to procrastinate and not move forward. Uh, that you, you know, answered one of my questions, which was, you know, are are you wired like that, or or is anybody wired like that, or or did you have to to teach yourself? So that's 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 good for all of us out there that aren't just built like you are straight away. That we actually can can learn to 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 actually achieve that. You actually have a, I think it's a beautifully written, and it's also painfully true for me. Um, you wrote, perfectionism fuels the slow drip of inaction. And I read that and it's like, it's like a, a dagger in my soul. <laughs> it's so true. Um, you know, and I, I guess I'm similar to you in the sense I would sort of say I'm a perfectionist and I would sort of wear it as this badge of honor. And, you know, it, it, in some cases, it, you know, it suits me well, you know, call it OCD, call it perfectionism, whatever, but always getting up early to exercise, eating clean, you know, always on time for meetings. But there's this inaction thing that sets in with me when there's something that's unknown. If there's an unknown variable, I hesitate. I get scared when there's variables that I don't have control over, which is the essence of being OCD or being a perfectionist or whatever. So a good example, when I started moving over to this plant-based diet, I was really nervous. You know, I was sort of a bodybuilder type like yourself, although not nearly as, as muscular, but I was worried, you know, I was going to lose all my muscle. Uh, I wasn't going to be getting enough protein. Maybe I would miss some of the foods um, that I used to eat. Would I have the willpower necessary? And so I, I didn't act on it um, as quickly as I should have. And then sure enough, I started having these amazing results within weeks after I switched. And, you know, I sort of wondered why I hesitated at all. So I'm not going to call myself a perfectionist anymore, Dr. Zeno. You said it's something about p potential. Can you give us that name again for us perfectionists? <laughs> Yeah. It, everybody is a potentialist. A potentialist is this. When you wake up out of bed, all you can ask of yourself is this. All I can do is the best I can with what I got and the moment I got it. Think of a firefighter, right? So if I'm a firefighter and, and I walk into a building, you know, not, no, no building on fire goes as planned, right? So it's always, there's all, all these different unknowns and variables. So you go into it and say, I'm going through there and something falls and you know it damages my shoulder i can't use my arm and there's a kid on the other side of the fire so i'm not going to think hey i only got one arm i gotta wait till it heals no it's like i got one arm two legs there's this fire and i all i could ask for this kid and myself is that i just do the best i can with what i got and i think having a potentialist mentality is really, it's so graceful because let's say, you know, we're not going to be perfect every day. We're not going to be 100% every day. So let's say tomorrow, if anybody, you know, 
maybe someone's listening to this right now and they had a, a rough day. Let's say you had all you could give was 60% today. So if 60% is all you got and you give 60%, that was 100% of my buck. So that's all, you, that's all you ask of yourself is that, hey, listen, I'm just going to do the best I can with what I got in the moment I have it. And that's, that's a term that I, uh, I termed as the potentialist. I, I love that. That it's so powerful. It's so empowering. It's, it's, I, I love it. I'm, I'm starting. Well, I actually, I started a little while ago after reading your things a, a few days ago. And uh, so now I've got a name for it. It's, it's being a, a potentialist, you know, it's really interesting too. Um, this process of sort of jumping at an opportunity, even if you don't know all the angles and how it's going to play out. It reminds me of uh, this type of project management that, that I studied while I was in school over the last couple of years. Um, so sometimes you have a project, it's a huge project. It's, it's too difficult to understand what your final product is going to look like and, you know, what changes you're going to need to make, um, to get to an implementation where your customer is completely satisfied. It's just impossible, especially with these big, big projects. And now technology, um, changes so fast and so quick with all the different computers and applications they started developing a new type of project management called agile project management. It's actually interesting. According to a 2015 article in contentmarketinginstitute.com, companies, you know, biggies like Google and Facebook use agile project management methods to be innovative. And they do this by developing products, you know, as quick as they can. They test them on real people. They change the product based on those user results. So, you know, they ask the people what they felt like and, and, and how it worked for them. And then they just update the product as quick as they can. <laughs> so you can see this type of agile project management. Every time you open up your smartphone and you see an app, you know, downloading an update, that's basically agile project management. And maybe I'm thinking about this wrong, Dr. Zeno, but that's almost how I feel like I'm going to operate. You know, I'm going to be a potentialist. I'm going to be running my, my life like a big project management plan, but it's agile. You know, I'm going to try something new, but if I need to make an update to my app later, I can, it's a plugin, you know, I'll just do a quick update to that plugin and then come back at it from a different angle or drop that and, and try something new. Is that, is that kind of what you're saying? You're absolutely right. And I mean, a potentialist is, uh, that also means it's okay to break your own rules sometimes. How about that? Because sometimes you're right. We could get so bullheaded and so romantic about a certain process that we'll actually miss out on opportunities and things that would that could be so amazing and scalable to a degree we would never even dream imagine. But because we were so locked up and bullheaded on this one thing, so I love that agility. That you know, I, if I have to break my own rules, I will. You know what I mean? I might have to course correct. I, you know, so I really think, you know, you, you, it's kind of like the uh, uh, firing ready type of thing. You know, just you just go for it. And what it does is when you go for it and you number one is what breaks you out of any type of apathy or frustration is action and energy. So at least you have momentum in a direction. You're moving. And then if I'm moving, I could course correct easily. I could, I could get, you know, like I always say, I could get hit in the head and I could learn, okay, I, I got to try a different route, a different approach. And at least you have momentum and that, that, uh, that energy and momentum and inertia keeps fueling itself to be able to move forward. So, so you don't lose that momentum. So that's why being a potentialist or understanding that um, or embracing the unknowns. I always like to say I embrace the unknown. Uh, because we're so we were raised in such a certain society, you know. We had first grade, we had second grade, we had third grade. We had our parents, 
We knew there'd be food on the table. Like we, we have been raised in such certainty after high school, then we went to college to extend the certainty. And then after college, we needed to get a career. And then for women under 30, you know, they needed to get married, to have children, like all these things society teaches, which is ridiculous. And, and we were doing things again to kind of check off the boxes, but we never really asked ourselves, well, what do we want to do? And so here are the unknown and we avoid the risk. We avoid the unknown, but the unknown, like we live Groundhog Day every day. And the only way, if we live the same equation and the same variables every day, we're going to get the same result. So if you're listening to this right now and you're getting the same result that you don't want, you need an unknown in your life because the unknown contains, like I, I call it the nutrients of life or the new variables that kind of turn your equation upside down that produces a different result. It's change. It's different. It's a new relationship. It's a new opportunity. It's, it's new genius. It's a new idea. It's a new experience. It's a, it, it's. Life and the miracle is always created in the unknown. And because we're so afraid of that unknown, or we use the term risk or uncertainty, but knowing that the most, looking back, like you say, you mentioned before in retrospect, everybody listening right now, and Paul, even beautiful, let's, I'm gonna, I was going to use my story, I'll use you. Looking back, only looking back, you could see, holy cow, nothing ever went the way I planned. Like all these unknowns happened that I couldn't have planned of. These things opened up. These connections were made. And I'm in Hong Kong right now. And if you look back and think, what are all the things that have happened to get you into Hong Kong? Right? I mean, just like you didn't plan that. Uh, yeah, it's so true. Right? I mean, yeah, well, number one, we could go back as far as possible. Like um, your wife had the job, your, your wife's job moved you guys there, right? Yep, absolutely. So, I mean, how long were you married before your wife had that job? Let's see. We got married in the summer of 2008, and we got moved here in late 2017. So, yeah, quite a while. Right. So, look at that. So, no idea Hong Kong was coming, but let's go before that. You're in Hong Kong because you met this woman. And just think of all the things that had happened for you to meet. You didn't plan on that. You didn't plan on meeting her the way it happened. It, ha it happened. There was a lot of unknowns looking back. Look at all the things that happened. In fact, if you think of all the things in the time that had to happen for you to meet your wife, if you knew that ahead of time, you'd freak out and blow it, right? And then you had to meet this woman out of all the women. This is the one you meet. This is the one you fall in love with. She gets this amazing job. And then all these other unknowns happen. And then the job moves you to Hong Kong. So just think looking back, like, your whole life, we're so afraid of uncertainty and the unknowns, but yet looking back at your life, the only known thing we could rely on is the unknown. <laughs> That's so beautifully put. And, and uh, you know, I think that, you know, we almost attract people in our lives that we need. And that's certainly the case with, with her. We're almost, uh, we're almost a good yin and yang, if you will, where, uh, you know, I'm not the adventurous type. And uh, if it was just me making a decision to move to Hong Kong, it pretty, it would have at least at that time been a pretty quick, I don't think so. <laughs> um, but, you know, she's really pushed me to be, to move outside of my comfort zone and, and move a little bit away from that, from that perfectionism and be a little bit more of a, a potentialist. But that's a, that's actually a really good example. You say something else um, that I want you to quickly tell us what you mean by, because it's, it sounds really cool, but I want to understand what you mean. So you say um, in one of your messages to, to be inspired by yourself. Uh, that sounds very introspective, obviously, but what exactly do you mean? 
Okay, a lot of times we're inspired by others, right? So let's say I, I look at Tony Robbins and he goes to Hong Kong and there's 10,000 people in the stadium. I'm like, holy cow, that is awesome. So you get inspired by other people. Elon Musk, you know, like we could go through and talk about people in history that we're inspired by. But, uh, and a lot of times we get inspired by people and we, we tend to look at um the fruit and not the root, meaning that I'm like, am I I'm inspired? Is it because he yells up and down, you know, jumps up and down? Is it because of the way he talks? Is it the way maybe he walks, or maybe it's the way he he does his, you know, his does his presentation. So you start modeling other people. And the problem is when you model other people, you still you even though modeling could be effective and you could improve, you still end up with an underdeveloped individuality. You're still, you're counterfeiting somebody else. So you want to become better. And yes, modeling will help, right? I mean, you get, you know, you might learn new skill, you know, modeling them and acting like them, but it's still, it's like, I still didn't, I'm still not a, a true authentic version of me. I'm just copying somebody else. So my whole thing is be inspired by yourself is envision yourself in the future. So I envision myself. So I actually, you know, like I'm speaking in uh, Vegas uh, in, in a couple of days. So I already saw my, I, you know, I, I have my talk down. I see myself talking um, in, on stage. And, and I've been marinating on this for weeks, right? I know the clothes I'm going to wear. Like, I literally picture it. And I picture it to the point, and I play it in my mind. Watch this. I play it in my mind to a point so clearly that I get an emotional response. So the emotional response could be I got goosebumps, or I feel that I have all the senses activated, or I get emotional, I get, I get a tear of inspiration, you know, and then that's the key. So I envision something so clearly and I get to the point where I actually I might cry. I might get inspired. I might get pumped, excited, adrenaline. So there's like my body feels an emotional response to what I'm envisioning. And when your body feels that, your body, so if your body had an emotional response, it means it released chemicals. Like it literally felt it's happening. I literally, my body feels that what I'm envisioning is happening now. So I'm seeing the future version of myself, whatever that might be. And I'm being inspired. I'm being inspired by myself and my dreams and my goals, not somebody else. So the future me is inspiring or pulling me forward. And that's what I mean by being inspired by yourself, not by somebody else, because I'll use Tony, whether it be Tony Robbins or all these other celebrities, they inspire. And I realized the reason why they inspired me is because I saw the, I finally realized the root. It wasn't what they did. It was that I was looking at someone who was a more transparent and more connected version of their true selves. So when that, when I see someone on stage and they're doing amazing, they're so comfortable in their own skin and their voice and their message and who they are. That was the root that inspired me. I was inspired because in me, I desire to be a very true, authentic, ultimate version of myself. And that's what I was inspired by these other people, not what they were talking about, not how they were acting. I was just attracted to seeing someone who is comfortable in their message and, and found their voice. And that's what I always desired. So therefore, I use myself and my visions, my goals and my future to inspire me forward. That is, that's such an amazing concept. And I, th I think that's probably not something you're going to figure out in five minutes, right? <laughs> it's it's going to take some introspective work. And but that's really interesting, you know, being inspired by somebody not not because of the actual physical work that they're doing, but but actually by by how transparent they are about being authentic. That's that's 
that's a really good way to to think about it. Yeah, because we're you know, Paul, we're reflection. I ask people like, for instance, let's do this. This is great, great exercise. Ask, because, well, I won't give you the the, the punchline until after it. So, who's your favorite superhero? Oh, it's got to be Superman. I mean, we're about the same age. I'm going to be 40 this year. So that was, you know, that was the big, big one when we were growing up. Okay. So what about Superman? Whether it be his, like, what about him that you like? Is it, is it the, or, you know, it could be the origin story. It could be what he stands for. So just like, why is it Superman? Um, for me, it was, you know, he was strong, um, but he was also like kind and caring. What else? Um... I mean, gosh, when I was a little kid, the superpowers, the literal superpowers, like flying and x-ray vision and lifting cars. Yeah. So when you, when we talk about these things, so when I, what you're doing is what I'm doing with you here is I'm having you look at uh, Superman, right? And you're telling me the characteristics and traits you really like about Superman. And you think everybody would say those things, but someone might say Spider-Man or Wolverine or, or Iron Man. And when they start to talk about the traits what you're seeing, Paul, is you're seeing a reflection of your traits inside you that you're either not owning up and developing or you're not allowing yourself to realize. So what you just mentioned is everything you are. You're strong. You're caring, right? I mean, that's the reason why you don't want to go to plant-based diet. You really appreciated your strength, you know, into fitness and health. Like you see yourself, like you used to say you're a perfectionist because, and you have this routine because you have this discipline and strength. But at the same time, you're caring and the X-ray vision like powers, you know, we, you, you desire to have powers. That's why you have such a routine. You want to be efficient in all areas you do. So when you when you describe Superman or anybody listening right now, when you think about your superhero, and it could be a celebrity you admire. What if I told you that you admire you are actually admiring the mere reflection of the characteristic traits that are in you that you are not owning or you don't give yourself credit about? Well, that's, that's pretty deep. That's interesting. Mine's Iron Man. Oh, cool. Cool. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. In the first Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. stood up and at the end, he was supposed to read a card saying that his buddy Rhodey was really the Iron Man. And so he could just, you know, not be him. And he was up there and they were asking questions and you know, he, you could see who's battling. He's like, no, I'm not the hero type. And he's trying to deny it. And then he's saying to himself, but that would be fantastic. Like you could just see the pride and the ego and the humility all wrapped up in one. And he pulled out, he picked up that car to say that someone else was Iron Man. And he just put the car down. He goes, I am Iron Man. And everybody went crazy. And in the movie theater, everybody went crazy because it was the first time in superhero history, a superhero dropped their secret identity. And they acknowledged who they were. And everybody wanted, everybody desires to say, I am dot, dot, dot. I am strong and powerful. But we, we're, we're, we're placed in a mediocre society that conforms us to shrink to the insecurity of others. There is no enlightenment. If you're listening, guys, there is no enlightenment to shrinking for the insecurity of others. Like I could, I could not become po impoverished enough to help someone in poverty. As a help, just Paul, for you, you cannot become sick enough to meet someone at their sick level to make them better. The only way you help others is to rise up and to claim your I am in your full glory, your full hero potential. And that inspires others to, for, for them to give themselves permission to do the same in their own lives. 
And that's why I love it. So, you know, people might say Tony Stark, oh, he had money and he had that witty personality. But for me, it was someone who says, listen, I'm going to embrace the pride, ego and humility. I'm going to be proud of who I am. I'm going to declare that I'm Iron Man with all that comes with it. And I'm going to enjoy myself being, you know, he wanted to be admired. You know, he wanted to be admired for achieving great things. And I, I, to this day, and I will stand by it, I believe that's why Marvel has taken off because none of the Marvel characters have a secret identity. Oh, interesting. I never thought about that. That's really yeah, interesting. I did. And I, and let me tell you, remember I talked, talked about like you get inspired and you cry like I cry. So when I saw that, this is how weird it was. When I saw that, even, you know, 10 years ago, I knew like, when, when I watch a movie, why do I get emotional? I mean, geez, what the hell? My wife looked at me. She's like, why are you crying? Like, there's no reason for you to cry. So understand when you, because well, you know what it was, Paul, like your true you inside of you, you know, we're, we're underneath this, this clay of life, you know, this mud. And I think your emotion or your hero guidance system, it's telling you something. So I went to see the Incredibles the other day, Incredibles 2. And there was this, I was getting emotional in Incredibles 2. And my wife's like, what now? Because she knows me now. She's like, what are, you, what are you learning about yourself? And there was a character in there. It's not a spoiler. But there was a character in there who he just wanted to get, I guess heroes were illegal after the first Incredibles. And he was trying to get heroes to be legalized again, to like for people to, to, so they, so heroes could walk out in the open and be proud of who they are. And dude, that was the reason why I was emotional in that whole entire movie, because that's, that's all, that's a, that's a reflection of my inner truth and my inner purpose. Like my inner purpose is to resurrect heroes. Everybody listen on here. My, my purpose in life now is to resurrect you, resurrect the hero out of you from the complacency of your secret identity. So you can live heroic lives once again by expressing and experiencing true love now. I mean, if there's nothing that you have to accomplish to be loved or feel loved, like you could experience that right now in every area of your life. And so when things remind you of that and you're not, or you're not owning up to it in your full potential, listen to your emotions. They are always your, your, your body and your soul or your hero is always talking to you, but are you listening? That's really interesting. You know, if you, if you talk about wellness balance, and I want to talk to you about that here in, in a second, um, because I know we might think a little bit differently about that, but I think, I think, uh, we're talking about it in a different way. Wellness balance. One of the wellness balance dimensions is emotion, you know, emotional wellness. And I think what you're talking about is really tapping into emotional wellness, like listening to what your body is trying to tell you. And that's one of the wellness balance dimensions I've struggled with a lot, especially since my dad passed is, you know, I use exercise um, as a way to smash down any emotions or feelings that start to surface. Um, and it's worked pretty well, <laughs> but it's, it's, it starts to, it starts to appear in stuff like high heart rate or uh, nervousness or tension. And so, you know, there's no amount of exercise that's ever going to really help with emotional unwellness until you really start to understand what's, what's, what's causing it. So I, I think that's really powerful. Um, so, so let's talk about that really quick. You know, I saw in one of your pieces and I want you to have a chance to, to sort of, you know, defend your position. You say that wellness balance is, is bull, is BS. And, and, you know, and I'm talking from sort of a clinical 
seven dimensions of wellness, balance, social, emotional, career, blah, blah, blah. I think you may be talking about it from a, from a different perspective, but let me, let me have you give your take on, on wellness balance. All right. So yeah, it's not, not in the area of wellness balance. Cause I'm so about that. I mean, I really think, uh, I mean, I meditate every day and I touch everything with love because I'm, I was just like you and I'm just like many, many of you listening right now. I'm a driver. I mean, to be a bodybuilder, it means that when your body, when your emotions want to quit, your mind says, shut up and moves forward. Like I'm always one more rep, man, right? One more step, one more step. Like I have been conditioned to take any emotional or feedback from my body to shut down almost like a, almost like a Navy seal, right? That, that, and that's, you know what? And it was useful to build a tremendous practice. It was useful to get through tough things through life. It was useful. It, we, we could use that, but man, does it destroy your life because I was shutting off the love and the actual intuition of my body that really knew what was best for me. So wellness, I'm all there. What I mean by balance is when society says, Oh, you gotta, you gotta switch your, you gotta be switching hats or, you know, uh, you're working too much and you know, you gotta, you need balance. You need home balance and work balance. And it's like, well, wait a second. I go, that's an excuse. That's a BS lie. And that's just an excuse people use. I'm like, you could be great at everything because it's go back. It goes back to what we, we were talking about. It's because if you want it, you're going to get it. Like if you have a crappy marriage, it's because you want it to. Or you didn't want to make it better. That's all. Like, let's be honest. Like, when 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 you really want something, when you want something, you get it. That's why. Because and and I tell people like, listen, just admit, take personal responsibility. You have what you have. You're where you're at because you wanted to. That's all. If you're overweight because you didn't want to lose weight. You don't want to go to the gym. And but here's the thing. I'm not do. I'm not saying this out of guilt. I I help people accept it and be okay with it. Like I don't want any guilt or right or wrong here. It's like just. But don't don't say you want to be healthy and you're eating brownies and you're not, you know what I mean? It's like your actions tell me what you really want. So at least the first step is accepting, well, you know what? Due to my actions, it proves that I really don't want it. I'm just saying it. I think we, I think we talk a talk and we try to, we, we try to compare ourselves and we, we really, our actions show us what we want. So it's, it's self-awareness. So the whole thing about switching the hats or balance, what people say you're obsessed. Obsession is what the media, mediocre people call uh, the discipline. But, you know, I was still like, Hey, you know, the whole work life balance. I'm like, listen, I don't switch hats. Like when I'm working with patients, I'm not just Dr. Zeno. I'm still a husband. I'm still a father. I'm still a speaker. I'm still a hero. It's like, I don't switch my, I wear them all. So I bring, so chiropractic didn't make me successful. I am a successful person that I bring to my office, that I bring to my marriage, that I bring to my health, that I bring to my finances. See, so those things don't make me successful. I bring myself, the, the ultimate version of me to those things. And that's why they're well, because I wanted them to be. So this whole idea, you know, and we start to believe, well, I can't have, it's almost like, you know, the whole root of, you know, the, the root of all evil is money. Like we have, we believe these like little lies that were traditionally passed down. I'm like, and it's like, no, you can have it all. Like you, if you really want a great marriage, then you're going to have a great marriage. Like it really comes down to really wanting it. But you know what? If your wife lets you get away with stuff and, you know, as far as like, she lets you not go on date nights. She lets you, you know, she lets you get away with not getting her flowers. And after a while, you know, you're like, yeah, I'm not going to all those great things that, that cultivated and sparked your relationship. You start not doing anymore because you feel you could get away with it. <laughs> of course. And then you wonder why your marriage sucks. It's because 
you want you, you really don't want to do what it took anymore. So it's just owning up and realizing that if I want something to be great, um, it's not about balance. It's like we have so much potential and bandwidth, our heart does and our mind does, that we could have an amazing marriage. We could have outstanding vitality and health. We could have amazing finances because we have a job that we love and we enjoy and all of it could happen. Like this whole thing that I got to sacrifice. just think, go imagine living life going, well, I got to sacrifice one or the other. So I could make the excuse. My job isn't doing well. Well, you know why? Because my family comes first. So you use that as an excuse or um, my marriage sucks. You know why? Because you know, I'm at work all day. Like we almost use these things as an excuse not to be excellent in all areas but I'm saying that we could actually step into and become amazing and great in every single area. But here's the thing. We really have to want to. And unfortunately, Paul, you know what's going to happen? You know when you want to? Some type of crisis or experience has to enter your life to give you enough contrast to kick you in the ass and say, I want to again. You know, it's when your wife says, I have to have a talk, Paul. Wow. Well, that contrast kicking the ass again, and you're going to want to have that marriage. Paul, when I lost my health, what a contrast, brother. Like I knew I didn't want sickness anymore and I desired and wanted health. You know, it's just, it's almost like we have thermostats and we get, we kind of get a little slacky in an area of our life until that, until it drops to a certain point. And when that crisis or experience kicks in, that thermostat kicks in and then our desire to want becomes great. But sometimes, you know, like sometimes damage happens that, like you said, Paul, like you could get to a point if you're not aware or you don't have the, the seven, you know, that wellness balance of your heart. If you don't really sense your emotion, if you just numb that, you will actually miss the crisis going on in front of you. And then it's too late. Yeah, I, I'm really glad to hear that. We're definitely in, in alignment for sure. So, you know, I think one of the problems with with the term work life balance is you know, work is one of the seven wellness dimensions and then life encapsulates, you know, six other dimensions, right? You can't just say work-life balance. It's work, it's social, it's intellectual, it's physical, it's emotional, it's spiritual. And so what I like about what you said is you're not using it as an excuse. And and we agree here. What what I think people don't don't do is they don't realize that they need to put different energy into the different dimensions of wellness. So I think you and I probably could agree we're both on sort of the autopilot mode for physical. You know, we we sort of take care of our bodies, we get enough sleep, you know, we we do well with our nutrition. So we don't have to put a lot of sort of mental energy into that. I've already admitted freely to you and to others on the show numerous times like my emotional and social <laughs> wellness dimensions are where I need to put energy. But I know I know that because I spent time in introspection and I, and I, and I've put energy into trying to understand myself and I want to get better. So to your point, it's not just saying, ah, I'm out of balance here. This sucks because I work so much, or this sucks because I don't have enough time to do fill in the blank. You take it to that next level and go, I don't have enough time right now because I'm not putting the energy in to fix whatever it is that I I'm having a problem with or, or to make it better. Yeah. I don't want to. Yeah, it was just I didn't want to, you know, Paul, like you guys got Starbucks over there, right? Um, and, you know, people wait in line next to my office for 20 minutes at seven in the morning. I'm like, whoa, wait a second. All these people in line, these are people that say they don't have time or money and they're too busy to do stuff. But they woke up early. They they took out money. They waited in a line. They got there early before work. I mean, just think when it comes to work and these people don't like their jobs, but they wake up early enough to sit in this line to get coffee that's 
four times the amount that it would actually cost them at home. And here's the thing. You guys know you could buy Starbucks, the exact same coffee, and make it at home. So it's not like you're getting a different product. But why do they do that? And I would sit there and say, why, why, why? And this whole, this whole bit or this whole concept came, and I realized, oh, my God, because they want to. That's it. There's no right. There's no wrong. There's no weird pattern or psychological. They just wanted to. That's it. And you know what? When I realized that, I stopped judging people because I kind of used to be judgmental. And you and I could be like that in the health and fitness world, right? Well, look at those people because you, you pride yourself in waking up early. You pride yourself on eating plant-based. Like, it's easy that we can pride ourselves on what we do. And we almost see people who don't as weaker. I mean, I, I, I get that. that used to be my take. I was guilty, right, of that. But I realized all judgment dropped when I realized, hey, listen, because someone doesn't want to take care of their health doesn't mean that they're a bad person. They just didn't want to. But you and I, we get frustrated because we know just like because you had the experience with your father and I had the experience in my own health and with my father, what frustrates us is like, I wish I could get the point across to them so they could avoid going through what we went through with our dads or what I went through with my health. And so we're just frustrated with people when it comes to those areas, but you know, they don't want to. And here's the thing. I realize that now they don't want to now, but, and life will bring them their own experiences, right? Like they get to go on their own journey. Life is, is about it. These experiences of contrast. And, you know, I want to be there for the person who's like Chris or Paul. I am, I had experience in my life. I want to start, I want to, and when someone wants to do something, they're the most amazing people to work with because they want to. I'm not codependent with them. I don't have to uh, cross the 50% line and be their conscious for them. It's like when I work with people, uh, whether it be in health and outside, you know, I, I consult with business and entrepreneurs, man, when you get people who want to do something, I mean, it is, it is a joy to work with those people. Well, I have taken up a ton of your time, Dr. Zana. So I just want to ask one more question. I like to ask everybody, and I think we've definitely hit this from a, from a number of angles, but you know, everybody responds differently to different wellness strategies. So what, one of the things I always try to teach people is to be open-minded and try new things. And that's, you know, that's coming from learning the hard way. A lot of times myself, you know, so be open-minded and we'll, we'll continue to learn what works best for us as individuals, sort of taking 1% from everybody. Although I think I'm probably going to take about 15 or 20 tips from you today. We learned so much. If you could condense down uh, just a few tips that help you find your balance to, to share with everybody today, I think that would be a good way for us to finish up the show. Um, Start the day on your terms, meaning that I prepaved the day, meaning you wake up early, so it's only your time. And then that could be, and you, I do whatever you want there. That could be exercise for you. That could be reading a book for you. I mean, I, I do all that. You know, I, I, I have meditation where I clear my mind. You know, I write my goals down, but I, I prepaved the day. I fill the well. Because when you fill your well, then when you go out and you then go about your day, people that you meet with, there's a lot of people that take out of your well, and there's a couple people that fill your well, but I want to make sure as I go through the day with a full well, that I, I, I know that I could give the best of my ability to people because I never want to be stuck with an empty well, because then I'm not, I'm, I'm of no help to anybody. So here it is, you know, it's 930 my time PM at night, you know, my well is full so I could give the best of my ability to help as many people as possible. 
But if I didn't prepare myself in the morning, if I didn't do the things and exercise, I have my own routine. You know, it's about, I call, I kind of do this. I call it the 50, 50 rule. If I work six hours a day, I want to at least take six hours a day working on myself. And that could be a nap. That could be playing with the kids. That could be working out. That could be preparing my meals. That could be, you know, taking a nap, right? So I try to almost, if I'm put, if I'm outputting six hours, I want to be inputting and recharging myself with those same six hours as well. And recharging could be just doing something you love, right? It's not sleep. It could be doing like right now, this is recharging for me. That's, that's so fantastic. I love that. I love that concept. And I think we could probably all go further towards 50, 50. I think that's a, that's a really good rule to, to put in place. And that, that really helps you achieve, you know, across the, the seven dimensions of wellness balance too, which is, which is what we're searching for. I think we've learned a lot today. I know I have learned a ton. I'm going to be putting some of the tips that Dr. Zano shared with us into action right away. Um, Dr. Zano, where should we send everyone to learn more about your awesome programs? And just so everybody knows, we're going to link to all of the websites and the research in the show notes and blog. Um, but just in case you're jotting notes down right now, Dr. Zano, can you shoot everybody uh, your stuff you want to send them to? Right. So um, if you just go to IamHero.com, IamHero.com, I have some amazing, uh, you know, uh, you could get some free masterclasses from me that I made specifically for you. You get that, like uh, Paul was talking about, the secret sauce, the hero secret sauce that's there. And there's uh, several other masterclasses. They're one month long. Uh, that's also for you as well. Just find the one that's most rele uh, relevant to you guys. And also, well, let's keep this conversation going. And the way we do that is if you... Um, go to Instagram or Facebook under Dr. Zeno. I put out content every single day. So I'm giving you stuff like this every single day. And let me tell you, all you need is, is 50 seconds of something to hear something. Just like you said at the beginning, it might just shift your perception in such a way that it changes the outcome of your day. And also that every comment you make, I answer personally. Every DM or message you write, that is one of my core values is that if you take the time and you ask for help or you comment, I'll make sure that I want to let you know that I appreciate that. Um, I, I appreciate experiencing your love from that. And I, I'll always answer and uh, reply to any comment or message you give. So let's just keep the conversation going. Yeah, I, I'll have to agree with that, Dr. Zana, because, you know, we're not exactly in the same time zone. And I can't believe how well we've been able to, to stay connected. You really do care about, you know, making sure that you help people. And, and I love that about you. Well, thank you all so much for listening to the show. Also, thank you very, very much to Dr. Chris Zeno for joining the show today. I will be back next week, of course, discussing a new topic. So please subscribe, rate, and review the show in iTunes. You can follow the workouts in Boost Health updates on Strava, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can also visit the Boost Health website at myboosthealth.com for links to everything along with more motivation and information. And until next time, this is Paul Sandberg for Dr. Chris Zeno saying goodbye and find your balance.